Chapter 25 September 12th, 2360 Bosch, Day 1 The next morning I wake early and spend about a bell researching on my obi and then go for a long run. Before I leave, I kiss Takai, saying, I think you are right, my love. Edo is the place for us. His face softens and he smiles widely and kisses me a second time before happily settling back to sleep. While I run, I think about my research and I calm Steve Dalton's office to set up an appointment. In a turn of luck, I'm uncertain if it is good or bad. He is in the office early doing paperwork and picks up the phone himself. We agree to meet at his office next to the hospital. I'll just loop it into my run. I arrive and step into the office. Steve is my height and very dark with rows of black braids that have a sheen of gray through them. His smile is genuine as he hands me a cup of water. I feel the post-run sweat start as I greet him. It pours for me as I stand trickling down my neck and between my breasts and butt cheeks. I smile apologetically and decline the invitation to sit. I just leave a big sweat stain on your chair, not a particularly pleasant reminder of my visit. Well, I seem to recall one of your children bled on that same chair. How did the cut heal? A year or so earlier, Gray had tumbled on some rocks while trying to keep up with her older cousins on a visit and came away with a sizable gash on her forehead. You can barely see the scar, Steve. It's like a tiny pink line. Nice work. Still can't thank you enough. It's my job, and I love it. Steve nods, then pauses. But that's not why you are here this early morning. What can I do for you, Cat? You said you wanted to talk about Teddy? You know... I don't want you to divulge anything private. I put my hand up. He and Mama told all of us about the VWM yesterday. I just want to get an idea from you of what we can expect from the progression of the disease. I've looked on my OB and I know you can't be positive, but... Steve wrinkles his brow. Well, actually, I could be pretty clear about this disease's progression because it follows a pretty clear path in virtually all cases. Okay. I take a breath. So there's no last moment miracle play that will result in Teddy recovering? Steve shakes his head. VWM is a rare complication of the virus that caused the Iranian flu pandemic back in 2316. It causes rapid deterioration of the brain, but not all parts. Someone with Teddy's family history and his stamina and robust health would normally be expected to live for another 20 years or more, and that is likely what will happen. But BWM will erode and form plaques on the prefrontal cortex, then the cerebrum, then the hippocampus and the cerebellum over the course of 10 to 14 months. In other words, you can anticipate that within the year, Teddy will no longer remember his history, including his family will no longer be able to walk, talk, feed himself, take care of any of his bodily functions. But oddly, the plaques do not extend to nor erode the brainstem, so he will continue to breathe and live, I suppose you can call it. And most cases of VWM do not dramatically alter lifespan, although there will likely be hospitalizations for aspiration pneumonia and other systemic infections. I stare at him horrified. I agree. It's a pretty bleak diagnosis. I'm sorry. And you are sure of it? I know I'm grasping at straws here. We certainly don't make this diagnosis until we have ruled everything else out. And it unfortunately comes with some clear blood markers. I walk over and look out the big picture window in Steve's office. It overlooks a small landscaped garden with a walking path. 
There are some lantern plants that are starting to take on the color of fall. And what about now, Steve? Now? How is his mind now? Is it sound? Can he make decisions? Important decisions? I turn and look penetratingly at this man who has been doctoring the family for years. He sighs and nods, and then returns my gaze just as intensely. Teddy's brain and capacity are good right now. If you are asking, can he make a rational decision? Well, yes, right now he can. Steve looks off toward the door and then back again. And Cat, if he were my father, I'd do whatever he asked. It's his due. I take a deep breath. Thanks, Steve. Don't know what Teddy and Miriam or the rest of us would do without you. I only wish I could do more. I take his elbow in appreciation and then turn and leave. I stand outside the office in the little garden and consider. Then I begin to jog and ratchet up my pace as I head for the family home. At home, I pull on a work shirt and pants quickly after showering. I have a project I want to accomplish for Papa out in the airfield. He and I talked about it last night. I know that puts the kids in shifting to the little house all on you, but... Takai is reassuring. My love, don't worry about it. There are many hands here, and honestly, it is easier with all the extra children. Ours don't seem to expect as much from us as often. Maybe we should have another half dozen. At this statement, we both give a hysterical hoot of laughter. Three is quite enough, thank you. I put my arms around Takai. I know he is grateful that I've dropped the return to Bosch push, so I imagine he will do anything for me right now. Thank you. I love you so. We pause to share a few deep kisses. I am being as honest as I can be with Takai, but I do feel a twinge of guilt nonetheless. I take a vehicle to the old airfield on the edge of the foothills far from the base and begin to wander through the line of vessels peeking under the tarps that cover them. They are as expected, all in excellent shape and repair. These are Papa's pets, almost a dozen vessels that he has collected over the years, stripped down and rebuilt from the engine out, restored to their glory days and most beyond. He has passed his love for flight and the vessels that soar down to me over the years. While my initial flight training came as part of standard Bosch lessons for recruits, most of my expertise stems from my lessons with Teddy. I have spent hours at his side watching him, questioning him, trying things out, and making not just a few mistakes. Day after day, I learned from him as we flew together, and he gave me more and more freedom as my skills increased. I am looking for a particular vessel, and I finally find it. I pull the tarp off and walk around the vessel looking admiringly at the little Skyhawk 350. It is styled after the vessels from the old days, but Papa and I have updated it. Had to after I cratered it early in my flying career. This is the vessel I had to put back together. It took months, but it is a thing of beauty now. The style is very Bosch, of course, and includes the traditional etching of a sailing ship with mast and sails on the hull. This is Papa's favorite. I power it up and drive it close to the entrance of our cave. I'm thinking about the plan and what I need to accomplish today. I hop down out of the vessel and drag a table out from the cave and start to assemble the tools I need to retrofit the Skyhawk with the necessary adaptations required to fulfill its final mission. I get lost in the work as the day slips by, stopping only briefly to eat the apple and nuts I brought from home. I am reinforcing the hull, and I won't stop until I am sure the bolts will hold, at the height I intend to take it. The sun is starting to dip in the west. I'll test it tomorrow morning. I hustle home, but the little white house is silent. I head to Mama and Papa's and pause at the front walk. 
The sunset colors the sky with a deep rose and a hint of orange as I look at the two-story brick home with its wide front porch, complete with a porch swing. I sigh. Every time I see this house, I feel so safe. Cedar trees border two sides of the property perimeter, and Mama's plantings in the front are still in raucous summer bloom mode. Light shines out from a side window, and I know the family is preparing dinner. I try to freeze the moment, because I know now that it is precious. I feel tears coming, squeeze my eyes and shake my head. I step inside, and I'm set upon by my children. Where you be, Mama? The boys chorus as I lift them into my arms. I know they want to nurse, so I sit down in the oversized chair. Gray shows me the dandelion necklace she and Leah made and brings me a book to read. Mama comes into the room and gives me a kiss on the cheek. What have you been doing all day? Seems you've been in the shop by the looks of your clothes. I flush and stammer, thinking I can't do this to Mama. Papa is her love. Then Teddy appears and says, I have her working on a project. Her fingers are younger and more nimble than mine, especially now. That gives me a moment to recover my composure, and I smile. Putting my mechanic skills to good use. I hope I look sincere. Mama looks from one to the other and narrows her eyes, but keeps her smile. You too, always cooking something up. And don't look so innocent, Teddy Bosch. You know I'm right. You usually are, my dear. And he leans over and gives her a kiss, which evokes a coquettish giggle, before Mama returns to the kitchen to attend to dinner. For a moment, Papa and I are the only adults in the room. Are you sure about this? I ask. I'm positive. Hope you had a good day's work. He surveys the grease marks on my clothes. Two more days. Hey, don't look so glum. This might be the best adventure yet.